Chatter, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you. Hey, um, thanks for agreeing to be a part of this. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I was excited. I wanted this is a conversation I love having with students, and you know, we talked out in the hallway, you know, about about spirituality and stuff for maybe what was it, thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. I thought, yeah, we're just kind of we're just kind of scraping it. Um, so I know it's I know it's kind of early, at least by college student standards. So um, I, I don't know who all is going to see this or listen or watch. So why don't you just tell them kind of who you are, why I call you Chowder. And okay. uh, so being here. my real name is Colby Crowder, but I go by Chowder um, actually because when I got here at the University of Central Missouri, I joined a fraternity and there was another guy named Colby and they took my name. And said you had to be called something else. <laughs> yeah, was he older? Yes, he was a junior at the time. But prior to that experience, I um, born in Texas, where I stayed for about eight years, moving around in Texas, um, and then we moved all around the country after that to sixteen different locations. By the time I was a senior in high school. So not a lot of roots, um, really bouncing around a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, tell, tell the people, the people, the masses, tell them, tell them what you're studying here. I am in sociology with an economics minor. I'm actually trying to bump that minor up into a double major, but we'll see. And you're busy on campus. You're a student leader. I mean, I can't even name all the things you're doing. So tell tell people how you're involved. So currently, I am the student body treasurer through SGA. I am an alumni ambassador, and I am an advertising manager for the Mule Skinner. Those are my biggest involvements right now. The Mule Skinner is our student paper, which it looks like. Is there a new paper out today? Uh, that came out last week. Okay. Well, that's just that's just me not having a concept of time <laughs> right now in 2020. Hey, so, Chowder, you talked about moving around a lot. Question. We're just going to jump into it because I feel like you're game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, growing up, did you grow up in a religious or spiritual household? How would you describe that? Like, what was, what was I that grew like? up in a, <clears throat> uh, what I would call a hyper-religious environment with being in Texas, my family is very devout Southern Baptist, um, which pairing that with moving around, that was a very interesting perspective to have going within Christianity from, I mean, just about the furthest you can go in terms of like conservative and Puritanism and everything to go into the Midwest and the North with what was labeled as Christianity, but took a whole different form. And that was just in the same nation. And how would you contrast the two? I know you're interested in these sorts of things by virtue of the stuff you're studying in your own experience. Yeah. Well, how, how is it alike and how is it different? So there's a big concept up here, which I you hardly ever, if ever, run into in the South, and that's non-denominational. That was, I saw that for the first time in Kansas City, and it was really a a big culture shock because going to church in the South, you know, it's this 
big ordeal where you dress up and it's, you know, your Sunday best and everything. And the first church we went to in Kansas City, it was T-shirts and jeans. And the majority of the service was singing, which is coming from a, you know, kind of a footloose type of town. It's a complete different um, feel in a church. And I'm so glad that you made that that um, very timely contemporary cultural reference to Footloose. I'm sure all of your fellow students would understand. Uh, so tell me, Chowder, um, you know, you talked about moving up here. How old were you when you moved to Missouri? I was eight, and I moved to Platte City, Missouri, and then ended up in Smithville for the majority of my time here. There's a lot of hopping around. Um, tell me kind of like as you became a young man up until like today, like how your understanding of of your religion, your place in it, your identity, like did that stay the same? Did it change? It's absolutely changed. And it, it started with the small differences. Again, like seeing the different translations, um, that was one thing I know that the church that I grew up in, in Texas, we were going by the uh, New King James version and when I, of the Bible. And when I got to Missouri, I can't remember what exactly the translation was, but it was not that. And it was a completely different take on uh, the Bible. And that was probably the first time I started to see, like, this is not a pure set in stone institution where everybody does the exact same thing. And from there it got even, it it went even further with seeing the differences because that first church was non-denominational and it went to a Methodist church, which is also a lot different than a Baptist. And through that, I kind of, uh, fell off the map. Um, after kind of seeing all of these, not not really hypocrisy or anything, but just inconsistencies between congregations and in approach. And I did not leave the church until I was a junior in high school. And that was when I got back to Tennessee, um, went back into that really Puritan-based Southern Baptist. And I saw that I really didn't like that, you know, and that's what I had grown up in. And it took a long time for me to figure that out, bouncing around different congregation to congregation to see that it wasn't really for me, that strain. Sure. And what was it like to, for you to come to that realization um, that uh, this experience that you grew up in with the people that you knew, and I'm assuming also family, Uh, You were connecting with it in the same way. What was it like to be chowder going through that experience? So me specifically, Southern Baptist is really interesting. Um, There's not some of the most segregated churches you'll ever see in the South where you've got one congregation that is completely white and another congregation completely black. And being biracial myself, that put me in a really weird spot. Um definitely felt like an outsider in a lot of conversation and 
because I was going with my the white side of my family to these um, churches. Yeah, and there was this idea, one very blatant. Um, what I felt the word was hate uh, for Arabic people following nine eleven and everything, which you know, young kid when that all took place. Um, but you could feel that like spiritual religious warfare being waged against the Muslim faith and everything. And um, so being a brown person in a white congregation that would, you know, speak in that kind of hate towards just pretty much brown people. It, it even got more generalized from what is considered Muslim and you know, that, that alone splicing those two things, Arabic and Muslim, that's a, that's a stretch, but they needed something to hate in order mm. to unify. It felt like, so me specifically throughout that time, I did feel very alienated, especially in that particular context. So you mentioned uh, um, a while ago that what happened is first little changes started to happen. So when you moved, to a different Christian church, a different Christian denomination. They're doing things differently. They're even using a different Bible than the one that you grew up in. And that, for you, you started to notice maybe some cracks in the pavement. Um, maybe uh, the story that you told that you believed or your perspective um, had some differences in it. And my guess is you probably started to see those differences go on and on until they came to big issues like you mentioned in your church, where um, different groups of people were treated differently. That, um, and I didn't hear you say this, but I, I know that I've heard other students report that they noticed uh, that it wasn't consistent with what they believed their faith to be or the ideals that they believe that their faith supported. They felt those were out of whack. Is that true of you? I don't want to put words in your mouth. Yeah, no, I will say again that the big term for, you know, what I would call my home church in Texas, uh, the conservatism and everything, it felt like you needed to be isolated in order to believe what they were preaching. And I was not isolated in the fact that I was moving around and seeing different perspectives. And uh, one particular place, actually Milwaukee, Wisconsin, that I was living in, I made friends with a few uh, students that identified with the Muslim Muslim faith. And it was, you know, stark contrast from what I was being told um, other religions were and other people. Like, they were being painted as heathens, but these were just, you know, regular kids. And so, yeah, those inconsistencies along those lines were definitely very hard to come back from. What did it feel like to be a biracial, biracial kid in a white church? So it's it's interesting. My dad is not in the picture. That's my uh, black side of the family, and so I never really had a support system in that regard. And my mom, instead of talking me through what it was to be a brown person in America, really just ignored you know, what was happening, even when I'd go to school, you know, get called the N word and stuff, she would just mm. brush it off. Like, you know, it's, 
they're just kids, whatever. And not having that support system was very tough. So sure. a, a lot of my peers in church, you know, I, I was a three day a week kid going to sure uh, Bible studies and Wednesday night. Nights, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and like in the youth group, I felt a lot of my peers did find their support within those youth groups. But again, I just felt like they would look at me as an exception to the support group. Like I wasn't really welcomed in those white spaces and even in a religious context. You know, it's what's interesting to hear you describe that is I've had a chance to work with you and observe you and you go the extra mile to include people, right. To make them feel included in conversation looked after. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about what it would be like for someone who has that as a value to, to feel like that wasn't extended to you in um, a faith community. Yeah. The inclusion is just, I mean, it's the first step, but if you miss that step, you can't get much further in my, in my opinion. Yeah. You know, I, um, I have a couple more questions as we kind of round out this conversation. One is for you to go from feeling or being as involved as you were, you were talking about three nights a week or in the church to finding yourself kind of on the outside of it. What was it like to go through that experience for you personally? I honestly was relieved, I think, which which is sounds weird going from, you know, what you would call devout to nothing. But it just felt like work, you know, because I didn't feel like I was supposed to be there. So every time I went in to a Wednesday night where, you know, they separate the kids and it's just the kids and it just being an outsider, especially in a group of kids felt tough. So not having to work to be included in those games and not feeling uncomfortable, you know, after a long day of school, especially on Wednesday, I really felt very relieved. I don't have to go anymore. Sure. Uh, that's a good, I think that's, a pretty good segue to the next question I have. And that is you mentioned that relief and changing, but where are you with it all now? Like how would you describe your understanding of, of religion, God, spirituality for you now that you're a young man in college? So there, I haven't been in touch too terribly with the religious structure aspect of it, you know, in terms of, church, congregation, all those meetings or whatever. Yeah. But I have been attracted to some, what I would call spiritually infused um, denominations. The Universalist Church is very attractive to me, but not in a, it doesn't feel secure in a religious sense all at the same time. Like it's so loose that I don't know if that's what religion is meant to be, but I, I very much um, enjoy the spirituality aspect of it, of saying they essentially, have you, you have any exposure to the universalist 
ideals and yeah yeah i'm familiar with it i know that and and maybe this is a you know not quite universalist but related is the unitarian yes unitarian it's close to my house so yeah i'm aware of that yeah the unitarian universalist it's uh it, it is again like i said I, I feel like in religion you do need, need to make decisions you know it would be very nice to say that all the um the three main religions were all the same god and whatnot but i don't know if that's what religion is meant to be um so i don't think i can ever claim an official membership in that church but just in terms of exploring those options i i'm i'm attracted to how the congregation flows and the amount like the types of people that show up to those um sermons is very attractive i uh one of the things that i'm curious about in your story chowder and it's one of the reasons i i'm teaching the exploring spirituality class in the spring is you mentioned a religious upbringing that you felt like wasn't relevant to you um, after some time. And that's putting it mildly. You didn't feel included in it. You didn't feel like you had a place where you were enfranchised in it, prized to be a part of it. Um, and so you said you took that off. And it made me think of like taking off like a heavy burden. And you said feeling relieved. But then I still, you say that you still find yourself engaged in, it, in that conversation, though it looks different. I'm curious, what makes you keep coming back? I think definitely that um, fire and brimstone approach that was taken within those Baptist, within that Baptist upbringing. That's something you can't really get past. You know, that, those three a.m. thoughts of mate, what if, what if that is right? You know, I really right. am not. <laughs> you know, right. I, I'm I'm not really looking to buy a ticket to the lake of fire but right. just a you know that's an ingrained fear that i don't think i could ever get over myself the way that that was taught to me and you can i mean you can send me all the science and whatever and i i mean i i am i, I very much um believe in the sci scientific approaches and everything but it's still just something that that's how I was brought up. You know, you can't, there's some things you just can't get past. So, and then at the same time, it feels counterintuitive to be forced into something because of a fear, you know? So I know that that's the reason church and religion is on my radar. But in order for me to join in again, it would have to be, on the basis of inclusivity and love. So, you know, I'm not joining until I feel those two aspects. Sure. Sure. Uh, sounds like spirituality for you. The one that you're interested in practicing is one that perhaps is different than your experience and that, um, where, where people are included, supported, celebrated, not tolerated or treated as the other, um, that that's something that, uh, you know, you would find attractive. Mm -hmm. uh, last, last question. Uh, do you think college students are interested in these conversations and do they have places to talk about them? 
I think, like I said again, I think there is that initial wave of relief, which I had, you know, during high school, just on the terms of structure in my workload. Like I had a job and I was going to school and everything. So initially, I think there is this a wave of relief going from home. You know, if you were going to church three times a week or even just on Sundays, you know, as a, a newly, I mean, socially emancipated kid coming into college, that's nice being able just to just to be able to sleep in on a Sunday. But I do think I see a lot of upperclassmen, especially they kind of get back into it. You know, it's like a little hiatus mm-hmm. when they get back into that idea of how do I want to spend the rest of my life? Because those are the questions we're facing as you approach graduation is what am I going to do in terms of a career? Uh, many people are talking you know, seriously in terms of relationships. Who are you going to spend your time with? And then with that religious in that religious context, how am I going to spend the rest of my life? You know, so I think there definitely are freshmen that keep it, keep that religious focus coming into college. But I don't, I don't want to say majority, but a good percentage of the population, I think, is very interested in either just taking a break or finding their own path that really suits them. Yeah. Finding your path, that's interesting to me. That's one of the reasons that I created the course um, is that I sensed that uh, students were interested in finding that path or going on it, considering it, but they wanted to know uh, what that could look like, the risks about it. They wondered if anyone else was going on it. They also wondered if there were any guides along the way, um, that even if their understanding of faith was changing, that they weren't ready to get rid of it altogether, in most cases, somewhere. Um, but even if they did get rid of it altogether, like you said, they still had things that were ingrained in them, that they were raised with, that will always be a part of them. They wanted to make sense of that in a new way, and they still had big questions about what to do with the rest of their life. And that's why um, I'll be teaching that course in the spring, and uh, you know, uh, maybe we could find a way for Chatter to come in and be a guest speaker. Yeah, and, Hey, uh, well, uh, you know how it is. When you and I teach together, you always get the last word. Before I give you the last word, I want to say thanks for chatting today. And uh, I got to know you a little bit better than I already did. And I appreciate you taking the time when you could be sleeping or studying. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Give us the last word, Chowder. I'd say join Dr. Beggs' class this, this spring semester. I think it would be very beneficial in a very deep way. Thanks, buddy. Hey, you enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll see you you soon. Take care, man.